Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the EDM Prod podcast. I'm Sam Matler and in this episode, Levi Whalen and I talk about starting tracks, including different strategies uh, that you can use to get those initial ideas down. We go deep into the creative mindset, uh, talk about influences and much more. But before we get into the show, I've got a few things to mention. Uh, First of all, if you haven't done so already, it would be great if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you're not listening on iTunes, you can go to edmprod.com slash iTunes and do so there. Uh, The other day I tweeted a question asking if people preferred long, less regular blog posts or shorter, more frequent blog posts. And it turns out that many of you want both, so I'm looking into how I can manage that. Uh, But there'll definitely be a post coming next week and it will most likely be a long one. But I'll try to uh, get some short ones done as well. And finally, I had a chat with Levi Whalen and Santos Torres, also known as Monoverse, on Levi's podcast called the Dance Music Makers Podcast. Santos and I talked about our collaboration. Uh, It's a song called Collider, coming out on Always Live Recordings. And we also talked about some other things. It might already be up by the time you're listening to this, so make sure you head over to dancemusicmakers.com and take a listen if you feel it's something that interests you. And the next episode of the EDM podcast will be with Santos himself. That's all for now. Let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Hello and welcome to the EDM Prod Podcast. I'm Sam Matler and with me is my co-host Levi Whalen. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. I'm um, I'm drinking a glass of cider, trying to pretend that it's summer over here <laughs> because it's sunny outside, but it's extremely cold. Uh, now, before we get started, I listened to your latest podcast this morning, your interview with uh, Jacob Henry, and I have to say uh, that was really enjoyable to listen to and also really informative. Um, and for anyone listening right now, I I encourage you to go out and check out that podcast especially if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, record labels and you know their role in the in the the 21st century because you get into a lot of stuff uh you know regarding beatport and and sales and that kind of thing um so i found that really interesting yeah it was uh it was fun it was something that i wasn't really expecting um i got a last minute um email you know, I, I had sent him a, an email a couple of days ago, but I wasn't sure if it was going to make it in time. And so last night we actually recorded it for me to launch it today. So, um, but yeah, he, he gave a lot of good value and, and, uh, 
a lot of insight, you know, so it was hard to hear um, because it's hard to make money doing music. But I think I think that we have a lot of tools that we can use in order to um, help with that and, and to actually make money in different ways that previously weren't possible. Uh, but at the same time, the old methods don't bring in as much as they used to, namely just track sales don't really bring in as much as they used to. And so we, we go into depth into that and it was really good to talk to him. He's a really cool guy. So I'm, I'm hoping to chat with him again soon. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. It was, um, it was fascinating, especially the, I think one, one thing he said was, you know, a lot of artists on the label, uh, they have full-time jobs and yep. yeah, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that, you know, when you see these relatively big names in the, um, the progressive house scene or yeah. the trance scene. Yeah. And you'll just assume that, I mean, Nigel Good comes to mind. I think he's a, he's a teacher full time. Yep. But he's, uh, he's so talented. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. After that interview, I, <laughs> I kind of, you know, sat here and I was thinking it, it, I felt this sense of injustice. Like, yeah, I have to do something to help producers to, <laughs> to figure it out because I, I don't feel like we should have to have a job mm, you know mm. i feel like we put so much time and oftentimes years into this craft mm, mm. and people go to four years of college and then get a you know degree and then maybe get a job i mean mm. that that model isn't really working so much anymore but at the same time um i think that something's got to give and we have to start getting creative when it comes to um generating generating revenue for ourselves yeah, for sure. It's a, uh, it's definitely right. You have to, and the thing is like most people, not most people, but a lot of people don't want to tour. They have families. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got an email from one guy who was saying that, you know, he has been touring, but he, he doesn't really want to do it anymore because it just doesn't feel that good. He spends mm-hmm. a lot of time away from home and he's like, what do I do? And <laughs> I, I couldn't give advice because it's not really a position that I've been in. Um, right. But yeah, it's it's definitely changing, and over the next ten uh, to fifteen years, it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting uh, and very challenging. But at the same time, I think exciting because you know, yes, you have to adapt, but I th- I also think there's there's a lot more opportunity out there if you play your cards right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with the whole internet explosion, um, the entrepreneur space is kind of starting to. Um, take over every other industry. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is the tools that business people are using um, to build uh, small businesses, mm. maybe with a one or two person team or under 10 person team. Mm. Um, those kind of things that they're doing to create um, income for themselves, we can take advantage of those things. And you and I you know, are both kind of dipping our toes into that realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so... You know, there's a lot that, that producers can take away from that. So, I mean, personally, I listen to podcasts like Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. Yes, yeah, a great and, podcast. Um, and the new business podcast with Chris Ducker. So, those two guys I listen to a lot and, and there's just a lot of ideas and money in places that you wouldn't have thought. Mm-hmm. And so, I would really encourage people who are listening to, to find those podcasts and we'll even probably link them up in the show notes if we... Yeah, yeah, for it. sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so just as a side note, I think there's a lot we can learn. And if we're not lazy 
and just don't expect people to throw money at us mm-hmm. um that you can you can do it you know it, it's sad when i hear people saying well i'm not full-time and i'm like why not i mean you've been doing this for so long and and you have such a claim you have a fan base why don't you use that list of people i mean hopefully you're building an email list and that's one of the things that i i go on and on about but hopefully we can have it just a we can have a uh, episode on that sometime. I'm actually thinking it would be it would be good to have uh, uh, Booty on, you know, us yeah. us three talk yeah. about it for sure. one episode because it is a, it is a big topic and it's something that needs to be discussed, uh, especially now. So, what I want to talk about in this episode is uh, starting a track or coming up with that initial idea, and it's something that. I know a lot of people struggle with. I know some people, uh, they don't have many issues working once they have an idea. So taking the idea that they already have, you know, to completion, but sometimes coming up with that initial main idea or, you know, a few ideas that constitute a track can be uh, hard. So I really want to talk about that. And I think it's split up into a couple of different uh, sections. So what I want to talk about is first the 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 downside or the the problem of feeling pressure, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's industry pressure or you know uh, pressure to to make amazing music. The next is uh, pre-production or, or preparation, and the last thing I want to talk about us actual practical strategies uh, to come up with the ideas and and make good ideas. Um, so. I want to start with pressure and I've been reading, uh, do you know, uh, who, who Rick Rubin is? Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal producer. Um, so if, if you're listening and you don't know him, he's done records with, with a load of artists. Like he started, I think he started Def Jam records as well. Um, if I recall. I'm not sure on that. No. I can, uh, I can check it out. He might have. Look it up. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't got. I haven't got all the names in my head. But he's. If you look him up on Wikipedia, you'll be blown away by the amount of work he's done. He's just and by his beard and too. his beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, <clears throat> if you have the time, it's worth listening to the uh, the Tim Ferriss show. Uh, Tim Ferriss did a, did an interview with him, and this guy is just. He's very enjoyable to listen to because. <laughs> Uh, you know, Tim will ask a question and there's like a 10 second gap between the answers because <laughs> it's just, and when he talks, it's, it's very kind of, um, everything that comes out of his mouth is quotable. But anyway, mm-hmm. I've been reading this book called, uh, Rick Rubin in the studio <clears throat> and I actually just started it today, but he was saying, you know, when, when an artist comes to him to you know, work on a track or album, um, what he wants, what he tries to do is, is steer his artist away from, and this is a direct quote, the distraction and pressure of the Hollywood spotlight and striving for commercial success, um, which is really interesting. And he, and he talks about instead focusing on the, the process and, um, and instead of thinking, you know, can I get it on the radio? Will it be done in time? He tries to get the artist to, to get out of that mindset and really focus on uh, making good music for the sake of making good music. And I think this is a really important thing. Um, you know, I'm, not many people listening to this will be in a, a position where they're 
making top 40 music. But when it comes to coming up with ideas, um, if you have a pressure that's a negative pressure, I think that's kind of an inhibition. It can it can definitely block those creative ideas from coming up. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, personally, I've inc- I've encountered this a, a lot uh, in the past. I try not to let it influence me so much anymore. But you know, the the thought comes into my head like, are people going to like this, or is this really fitting with what people want to hear right now? Uh, and I think there's some validity some validity to that, but. Um, you know, I, my, my point of view is if you're an artist and you're making music for yourself as an artist, um, the hope is that you're kind of directing people to, uh, like your music in a way that, you know, you're drawing the people that are going to like your music. It's just the way that it is. So you're not really pressured to make something that maybe is sounding, like everything else because people are there to listen to what you're making. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. It does. It does make sense. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly. I think, you know, there's this, there's this notion that you have to, and it's funny because, you know, Rick talks about this Tycoon Beware, but, um, you know, he was saying how one, there's a couple of producers out there who will always do the same thing and always, you know, they work with com- uh, completely different artists but end up with the same sound because that's the way they work and that's the way they think they should work. Right. But the point I'm trying to make is there's this notion out there that as a producer you have to st- uh, kind of stay inside this zone mm-hmm. uh, of mu- of genre or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I think that can be <clears throat> from a completely... Uh, forget about the marketing completely creative standpoint I think that can be a big mistake because you're shutting yourself off so for example um, it's funny the other day I was checking out uh, some music some future bass I think it's called and I've heard of this genre before but I haven't really listened to much of it so I was checking it out Um, (laughs) love it right yes it's amazing Um, a lot of (laughs) heroic recording stuff yeah and You know, I, I started listening to a few songs and I was like, wow, this, to me, it kind of just opened up all these doors in my mind. Like it seemed like a genre of music that is completely limitless. You know, I, yeah. I listened to one track yeah. that was super jazzy and had amazing chords and then the next track was quite dark and, and deep. And I was just thinking, man, like I need to make some of this stuff, <laughs> you know, and it's it's, yeah. it's kind of like- if you're stuck in this mindset of I need to only release, oh, sorry, I need to only make this genre of music, then you kind of shut yourself off from that. Now, at the same time, and I don't want to delve too much into the marketing side, um, I think people kind of mistake creation for, you know, um, promoting or releasing a track. So you don't need to release every track you make. Mm, and I think, yeah. um, uh, again, one thing that Rick was, was talking about is he... You know, an artist will come to him with, say, uh, 10 songs that they've written and he'll say, only the last two are good. Scrap the mm. first eight, go make 30 tracks and we'll pick 10 from there. So, yep. I, I wonder if that's a, something to consider as, you know, a bedroom producer is um, kind of this, not really a process, but instead of focusing solely on one 
idea or one genre why not chuck things at the wall and see what sticks um and then from there work out what fits with your brand um i don't know i, I kind of rambled a bit but it's I, f- I feel like it can be bad to, to pigeonhole yourself and especially when it comes to starting if you've got this you know this preconceived notional idea of what you must do or must not do um you can end up with major creative issues yeah, you know, there's a couple different things I want to just kind of bring into this. Uh, first thing is, there's no there's no problem with reinventing yourself. You know, I and I think uh, personally, from a listener's perspective, um, I love to follow the journey of producers and seeing how they evolve over time. And if they just stayed with what they were doing before, I'd be like, well, I heard that in the last album. I don't need you to rehash those same you know melodic ideas and 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 patterns and you know the same sounds every single album and so it's kind of cool to see how artists change over time and and uh i think that can that can help if you realize that you are going to change and it's just the reality that it's things are just going to change and things are going to shift and you never know if you might be the forefront of a next movement you know I mean that that happens all the time. Another another thing that I was thinking about is there's no problem with starting a side project. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it doesn't fit with the current sound that you're trying to you know fit yourself into, and then you you know pull something out of the left field that's like way different, you don't have to release it as the artist that you're currently releasing stuff under. And so that's another thing that I think people can do is. You know, just even if you don't plan on releasing it, start a secret project of this weird stuff or whatever, you know, just like ex- your experiments that end up just being another, you know, another uh, alias. And, you know, I've even heard um, people talk about, you know, it was like their second alias that actually was the one that took off. I can't remember exactly who said it, but I think it's happened a few times where people were kind of going for a while in one, you know, with one artist. And then it just kind of like got boring and they had now the experience of just developing that over time and, and producing constantly and getting some signings, but then you start a new project and now this one takes off from the, from the start because you have all this knowledge that you now have. So I'm actually currently in the process of starting a new side project myself. So I'm kind of applying, yeah, I'm kind of applying this knowledge. I'm not probably going to, say much more than that at this point <laughs> but um yeah be on the lookout for some project that you probably won't even know it's me because i'm not going to affiliate myself with it <laughs> any hints of of the kind of sound you're going to be making or is that too much um i'm going to be doing more trap and uh more aggressive styles oh nice so very very different from my levi whalen you know progressive trans yeah, progressive house yeah, yeah. deeper kind of stuff and at the same time i'm going a little bit more of a mellow deeper route with my with my name alias mm. um i think just kind of a side note on this whole topic um i've developed my sound over the years and i've started a notice where i want to go really hard but i don't feel like it really matches <laughs> my style and so I kind of hit this ceiling where like, I don't feel like it, it'll fit with everything else I'm doing. So I'm spinning off that into a whole new 
project. And that way I can, you know, go really hard and put distortion on everything and just go crazy and have some fun and not really have it be, um, having to weigh it against all the other material. That's a lot more mellow and relaxed and chill and more melodic and, and deep, you know, feely kind of music. (laughs) So that's, that's what I'm doing. and, And I'm excited to see how that pans out. For sure, man. That's uh, that's really interesting. And one thing that uh, I wanted to mention quickly is there's a there's there are a lot of benefits to kind of messing around with different genres, even if you don't finish tracks. So, like for example, I, I play around with a lot of um, dubstep and drum and bass stuff, but never do I do I finish an actual track. And a lot of people would wouldn't know that um but what i've found is my drum programming and my drum programming as a whole uh has improved so when i go back to making you know a trance track or progressive house i actually apply a lot of techniques and you know um little tricks that i've learned from working in these other genres uh and that's one thing that people don't actually well a lot of people don't actually think about like it's if you're thinking about learning there are so many benefits to playing around with different genres and i've told i've talked about this before um i th- i actually think each main genre not subgenre but each main genre has like a kind of a a set of or it requires a set of skills um so for example take trance you know you need to at least have a decent um ability to compose melodies and, and good chord progressions it's a intrinsically melodic genre now techno is a little bit different it's it's more focused on sound design um and groove and so forth uh, drum and bass i think is a an absolute mission to mix and i think that drum and bass producers <laughs> are by far you know it, in general um very talented and very skilled um you know if we're looking at it across the board uh so stuff like that i mean it it makes little sense to me if you're trying to learn as fast as possible to only focus on one genre um so i think i encourage people who you know who are maybe stuck in that trap of not being able to start um or come up with ideas play around with different stuff um listen to music that you know you haven't really heard before like you know it was future based for me and it's kind of sparked on this new um it's 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 really exciting like i'm i'm actually keen to make some of this stuff now and to be honest like it was getting to that point uh with making progressive house and trance not that i got bored with that but it was kind of like i needed to just switch gears for a bit and um and make some stuff that's completely different just to change things up and uh and i don't know it's, it's hard to explain but yeah. be a little bit more creative. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say that. I mean, I, I think more people, um, especially new producers, should play around and, and be a bit more diverse in their um, experimentation. Yeah, that's good. I, I want to say one more thing before we move on. Um, I've been listening to a lot more um, like techno and deep house lately. And the thing that I've discovered is that I, I love it. And it's really validating where I feel like my sound is going. Mm-hmm. And that was the cool thing about it. It's like, oh, this sounds a lot like what I'm working on. 
and like what I'm kind of a too, I'm kind of afraid to go down this path of like really dark and moody and a lot of like texture, but not this like, you know, EDM, you know, bang, 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 <laughs> bang, you know, crazy. It's just like, I don't really have the ability to stay in that realm for so long. Mm-hmm. And so finding these little like niches of just like groove and just warm, dark bass and little pads and pluck sounds and just all this like really groovy coalesce kind of like almost jazz in a way but you can really sit with it for a long time and just kind of like feel it and and think about it i don't know why but i just like i'm i'm loving it right now so but the thing that i just kind of want to bring to people is like find the place where you're like yes this is this is the kind of stuff that i want to make and from that point of view you can be like yeah i fit with this genre and i fit with these people you know identify with these artists and i can see myself being a part of of what they're doing and that's one of the things for me that i'm seeing you know with 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 my interview last night with um jacob uh silk music has a lot of the artists that i am really really feeling right now and so that's like oh yeah i really want to you know get in with those guys and and be a part of the scene that they're that they're a part of Mm. oh that's that's awesome i've got a a quote here and i just because i had the uh the rick rubin book on my desk and i came across it so he's talking about how he doesn't um he allows his taste to change so this is a quote and i'm gonna um i'm gonna censor it just because i don't want itunes to take down the podcast but (laughs) he says i allow my tastes to change and not say oh i sold millions of records making rap records I have to keep making them. I'm happy to mm-hmm. say, oh, well, I like speed metal this week, so I'm going to make speed metal records. I don't care if my speed metal records sell or don't. This is what I want to do. Um, hmm. That's really interesting. I mean, this is a guy who's at the top of his game. He could keep making a ton of money if he was making a certain genre of music, um, but he doesn't want to. He wants to, you know, change accordingly according to what he wants to make. Um, so I think that's really interesting. If someone at that level can do that, you know, there's no excuse, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing about that is the methods of creating that certain type of music can now inform what you're doing outside of that. So there are certain, you know, there are certain um, uh, melodic and technical aspects of, say, speed metal yeah, that yeah. rap does not have. But if you can kind of transpose those same thoughts into rap now you you're bringing all these different elements in that are like whoa i didn't know you could do that in a rap song you know and so now he has this whole new hybrid you know and kind of he's he he produced uh one of lincoln park's albums so i'm kind of thinking on (laughs) on those terms you know the whole rap rock thing um but yeah so that's that's really cool i think i think that's a that's a really good point yeah that's uh interesting regarding like the the crossover or the intersection i mean i think that's one thing i like about edm a lot of genres of dance music do take a lot of elements from uh, traditional genres so i remember i used to listen to a lot of um of tech house on like 1605 and umek and Mm -hmm. a lot of those tracks would have rap over the top you know Mm -hmm. we're talking tech house tracks and Mm. uh even like um 
what's another example I like it's a Tiesto track I forgot the name but you listen to it and it sounds super like old school rock kind of kind of style to it like it's yeah. dirty the drums are yeah it's it's just cool and I think um I think it can be very beneficial to kind of look into the past and and take ideas uh especially because a lot of uh and I don't think anyone should should really care about this but a lot of traditional musicians kind of look down on people like us because <laughs> it's a shame right it is it's, it's an absolute shame and it's really sad but i think by you know maybe paying a bit of respect to to those old genres and you know yeah. including them. well it can go one of two ways um and i've seen this happen uh many times you know either they like it so i think a good example is um skrillex working with uh the doors doors. yeah 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 like that was really cool um i love that yeah but other times i mean it can almost be you know they look at it as like oh you butchered the the whole genre or whatever which is you know they're they're cynical people out there yeah um so i want to talk about preparation and i think this has a huge impact on actually coming up with ideas um and i think there are two kind of uh two kind of categories of preparation so one of them is is pre-production and i haven't to be completely honest i haven't really focused on this much but i think it's something i want to um focus on over the next few months so by this i would mean things you're doing outside the the door so um you might like one one idea could be brainstorming um another could be you know uh physically writing down music on you know a sheet um but i don't know i mean preparation is a big topic but i think one thing that really comes to mind is and i talked about a little bit before but coming up with a selection or collection of ideas before really developing them uh so you might sit down with a midi keyboard and just jam for a couple of hours and come up with like 10 different chord progressions to me that's preparation because you're not really doing it with a like a uh a roadmap in mind um like your your goal is just to come up with ideas i mean what do, do you when you're working on a track do you have any form of preparation or just get into it straight away i wish i did <laughs> um i mean you know i i i watch a lot of uh, interviews with artists and, and whatnot on, on, on YouTube. And the thing that keep, keeps coming up that I'm like, ah, I got to do that is getting my, um, all the samples that I like to use all in one location so that I know that I don't have to go sifting through, you know, pressing the down arrow for like three hours trying to get the right <laughs> snare sample. You know, it's like, yeah. I know what kind of snares I like. So I need to just go through, like spend one day, and just go through my whole snare library and get the ones that I like and put them in a look in a location that is easy to get to. And then I don't have to go sifting and, and lose inspiration when I just sit down. Um, you know, sometimes I prepare if I'm working on an album, I'm definitely preparing, um, because it's in process. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, okay, today we're doing this, but that's not at the beginning. So I, I guess, no, I really, 
I really don't. I mean, I guess I go to the bathroom and make sure I've eaten re- recently because uh, if if I don't, then I'll get like an hour in and be like, start getting hangry. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I don't like, I don't like feeling that way. And, and, and most, most importantly, I don't like having to stop to go eat, you know, um, that's a big problem I have is like, I get hungry and I have to like do physical things with my body so that I don't, you know, stop working. <laughs> well, maybe that's, so, I mean, that's a good point. I think, um, there have been times, you know, in the past where I've thought, you know, I, I can't come up with ideas. And the reason is because I sit down and I'm not really fully committed to what I'm doing. Um, and I think, you know, we've talked about this before, but, really kind of setting out a a period of time say 60 to 120 minutes of pure production and yes you know eating before you do that and making sure that you're you've got everything set in place i think that's a good point because for for two reasons the first is it actually takes quite a bit of time to get into the kind of creative zone and i think john cleese talks about this well he says you know, if you set aside 30 minutes to do something creative, that's not really enough. Uh, no. Like, it's fine if you're just tweaking things, but normally it takes 30 minutes to actually get into the zone. And so you've lost 30 minutes. You need to put like a 30 minute buffer and then expect the time after that to be creative. So I think that's an important thing to note, you know. Um, it can be hard to come up with, the, with ideas if you're only doing a short session and especially if you have distractions. Uh So, and the other thing, I suppose this is kind of moving into um, a strategy of sorts, but it doesn't matter. I think uh, critiquing what you're doing when you're coming up with ideas is a really bad thing to do. Oh, totally. Um, I mean, it kind of defies the, the main, not law of creativity, but like the whole point of creativity is to experiment. Yeah. And then you can choose what you like and- and right. go forward uh so i look at that early stage of production um as brainstorming in a sense you know just laying things down and kind of seeing what sticks and you know even even physical brainstorming could be beneficial i think that's worth trying especially if you're working on an album or ep you know so um using a site like i've for a lot of tracks and uh small projects i've used there's a site called coggle.it uh, hmm. two g's and it's just a super simple brainstorming app, uh, app but you know you can lay down themes that you like you can lay down you know ideas that you ideas in terms of you know i want this to sound like uh summer for example or mm-hmm. the beach mm-hmm. um and just having like a few ideas that can kind of guide you instead of opening your door and just going oh what am i going to create right um and jtech talks about this too in his in his master class uh, what he'll do is he'll go to, to Beatport and go to the top 10 and just note down all the themes that he likes in the tracks. Um, all these ideas like, oh, that bass line is quite subtle or something like that. So he'll put that down mm-hmm. and then look at that when he's making his own track and just mix and match um, these different themes together. Uh, so I went off on a bit of a tangent. That's but, beautiful though. I yeah? love that idea. I'm going to start using that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I've I've written a post on it uh called the song palette strategy. So the whole idea is is really to listen to other music and 
kind of build a list of these ideas that stick out to your techniques. So, I mean, one, for example, that I've used before, uh, admittedly, there's a track from Omnia and mm-hmm. it's Infinna, I think. And Inf- yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has this, this cricket sound at the start. In fact, it runs through the whole track. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. But you don't really notice it at first. And then I was like, well, yeah. I'm going to use something similar in my track. So I used like a different sound. It wasn't a cricket um, that just played every quarter beat. And, oh, sorry, every beat. And, you know, it's just stuff like that where if you if you list those things down, um, they actually kind of give way to a lot of more uh, creative ideas. So I think that's important to note. Yeah, um, that's great. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean... I um I don't spend a lot of time in that zone. Um I think I should though. And I I'm now really inspired to <laughs> to start like thinking about it in those terms. Um one of the things I was just thinking about is like uh imagining like a movie in my head without the music. Mm. And you know, or like a scene like like a futuristic city. Like what would this what would the soundtrack be like for that? you know mm, mm. and just kind of coming up with those sounds that that would fit in with that and maybe future basis <laughs> comes to mind that's one of the things that i <laughs> that i immediately thought of the first like future song i heard i was like oh my gosh this is like in year 2300 like all these robots flying around and like <laughs> it's like bright and the city's just like super clean and there's like you know robots everywhere and, yeah, and yeah. kids laughing on the grass because there's like no crime anymore and <laughs> it's just like you know this super idyllic future utopia yeah and it's, everything's happy and old video game noises and i love it i love it cool that's yeah that's really interesting i think uh and that's a good point to make which i didn't think of because i've done it back in the day i used to um uh it was a long time ago but back when i kind of struggled to come up with ideas I would go onto like uh, uh, wallpaper sites and just download a bunch of, you know, high definition, awesome looking wallpapers Oh yeah, and just look at one for like five minutes and kind of make a song around that. And it, Love it that. works. Like, Love that. It, yeah, it's really cool. So, you know, if you want to make a, a nice beachy progressive house track, download it, download a photo <laughs> of a, a nice looking beach. It might help. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah uh so i want to kind of get into some some strategies uh so that people can you know actually actually apply this stuff and the first one i want to talk about is getting out of the box so i think you know i mean i think a lot of songs outside of the the world of edm start with someone like playing a piano or guitar and develop into something that's you know uh, multiple instruments and so forth and I think we kind of we've kind of lost that in the world of bedroom production because we're so focused on you know clicking this and clicking that and using the sample and it can be a very kind of um, sequential or like linear process which isn't always the best uh, for creativity. So I think you know if if you play an instrument, I think it's a really good idea to at least sometimes, if, especially if you're struggling. Uh, just jam on it um, and and see what comes out and then you can bring it into your door. And if you don't have an instrument, I don't think you need to play an instrument to do this. I think if you own a MIDI keyboard, you can do it. I can't play piano or keyboard for the life of me, but I know how to put my fingers in a shape where it can play a chord 
or you know uh i know what wes middle c is and so on so right. you know like just playing around with that kind of stuff and not really having a a goal if that makes sense mm-hmm. um because yeah. i think that that goal kind of induces that pressure again which can sure. which can be an inhibition to creativity i mean do, yeah. do you do that do you ever play an instrument to kind of get out of that you know out of the digital box or yeah for sure um i have a i have a keyboard that's not attached to my computer and so um and then the, the place that i live uh there's also a grand piano in the living room oh, so wow. <laughs> that's been really fun to just like play yeah. and just let the ideas come and not even like have the idea of of recording it just be like hey this is happening right now it's going to be gone as soon as i play it and there's something cool about that but yeah i mean um a lot of my ideas especially when i'm doing remixes they'll start with piano mm. um and i'll just i'll just play the acapella and just play, you know start figuring out chords that work with it and um that's been a really quick source to get get ideas going um i also have an electric guitar which i haven't really used for coming up with new ideas so much um but i i started listening to taiko oh wow yeah he's amazing uh, this last week like pretty much on repeat like almost every day (laughs) and so i'm like i'm really wanting to start some ideas with guitar now yeah yeah and uh just even you know not even with the intent of putting it in as something else but like just having guitar and we'll see it could it could start a whole new (laughs) whole new thing for me so i could i could go on for that but yeah i mean um i think it's really valid to get out of the box personally you know uh, producing and then my day job i i'm on the computer all day long and i think in this ultra connected world we live in we're on the computer for everything and it can be really draining and i, I don't know if we always realize it you know we think oh i don't feel good today like how how much time have you spent on your butt like on the computer <laughs> probably way too much so you yeah, should get yeah, outside yeah. like like sometimes i just like to go outside without my phone and like just be and not have any input, have no earbuds in, you know, and just be like in, in the world and not being so, you know, consuming media and consuming content and, and thinking about new ideas and all this stuff, but just kind of being. And what I found for that is that when I, when I have that for a, a long period of time, the creative ideas just start coming and I'm not even trying so hard anymore. And that's interesting experience that I've had. You know, I've, I've had vacations in the past before I had a proper laptop where I went like a month and a half without producing music. And when I got back, it was like everything just kind of like fell into place and it felt so good to be back in the, you know, in the chair sitting there and making music again. So yeah i think getting far out of the box can be a really good way to to, uh to get some ideas going yeah for sure i mean i i totally agree with that and one thing um i've got a little bit of a funny story so (laughs) before i got into music production or maybe around the same time you know i played in a couple of bands i was i was quite young and i played drums in a couple of bands and um it was fun but 
as I started, you know, getting more into electronic music production, I was kind of looking at that, you know, and going, oh, yeah, I remember being in a band. Like, that sucked because I didn't have any say in how the music would turn up. Because these guys mm. were like, you know, 18, 19, and I was 14, and they weren't going to listen to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking back, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's great to be able to, you know, be in control of, you know, everything I'm making. But nowadays, I kind of look at people who play in bands, and I go, oh, it would be awesome to just you know jam like that's what i one instrument (laughs) yeah no but that's what i miss like just yeah you know you we used to play in a garage like just sometimes jam for hours on end and it can be very hard to do that by yourself and you know yeah on your laptop uh so i think maybe and this kind of leads into another um i wouldn't call it a strategy but actually a, a super helpful thing that can really help generate ideas and that is collaboration i mean if you're in a room with someone else like creativity just goes through the roof totally it's awesome i love it yeah it is amazing so sometimes it can pay to forget about working on something original and if you're really struggling to come up with ideas sometimes it's better to just you know maybe work on a remix because I think when you're working on a remix, you actually have at least one idea um, in place already. It might be a vocal or a, a main lead. And it can be a lot easier to work on a remix than an original because you've kind of got some of the work set up for you. Uh, so I think that's one strategy that could be beneficial because it means that you're not kind of, you're still working and you're still doing something productive and you're still technically making music uh, and practicing your production skills but you don't have to get over that initial hump of coming up with something that sounds good, if that makes sense. I mean, what do you think about that? Um, you know, I think that you can even go further with that um, because if you, um, you know, you have a, you have maybe an acapella, you have a vocal and, um, you just pull it in and, and then you start recording something or, you know, you start producing around it and then you can take the vocal out and now you have a song that's yours, <laughs> you know? And so even if it's not a remix that you're, you know, playing on releasing, um, you can, you can start a project with a vocal in place from another track and then take it out and then rewrite a lead that would be in, in uh-huh. place of that. And then, you know, you have an, a whole track I mean, I, I've done that with some projects where um, I di- I was doing a contest and I just didn't have enough time to finish. Mm. And so, you know, you just take the parts out that were from the original and now you have a whole song that you get to use that yeah, maybe would take yeah. another couple of weeks to finish up and you're there. So, you know, and, and I, I get really inspired by other people's work. And so when I have something like a vocal and I'm producing the whole arrangement around it. I mean, yeah, if you just take that vocal out, then you have a whole track that's yours. That's, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Cause I have heard of a lot of people who will drag a vocal in and they get, yeah. get rid of it later on. I haven't done that personally, but one thing, um, that I do do quite a lot is start the track with some sort of sample or loop. So there are times where I'll literally just, um, kind of trawl through all my sample packs looking for some sort of idea uh, and sometimes you'll find like this really obscure 
synth loop or something like that that forms the basis for a full track or at least yeah. kind of leads to another idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's a great thing about sample packs. And you could even say, you know, we talked about it in episode one, uh, uh, Precess as well. Um, you know, a lot of them can just lead to, to new ideas. So I think that's kind of the, um, kind of the, the opposite to another way to, to come up with ideas, which I do recommend as well which is starting with an initialized patch or piano and just focusing on the the composition. Um, they're kind of opposed to each other, but both of them work. Uh, so they're obviously both, both worth trying. Uh, another strategy that, that came to mind was re, uh, remaking tracks. And you kind of just covered this, but one way to... Uh, one thing I've found when remaking tracks is you can never get it 100% perfect because uh, <laughs> right. you, you don't have the same samples. You don't have the same sounds. And sometimes there's a point where you're just like, you know what? There's an original here and you kind of delete whatever you're trying to remake and just work on it. And I've done this many times. Um, I did it many years ago as well and it worked. Uh, so I think that's one thing to do as well. If you If you're kind of at the end of end of the rope and you're really struggling to come up with ideas and it's actually getting frustrating um one thing i would advise is drag a track into your door one that you like and just start trying to remake it and worst case scenario um you remake it and it sounds exactly the same and you don't do anything with it but you've learned a lot best case scenario uh you start remaking it some awesome idea enters your mind and you make an original track that you like. Uh, have you, have you done that before? No, actually I haven't. Um, remaking tracks hasn't been something that I've really ever dabbled in. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a great idea. And, uh, but you know, I think for me, the comparison with other people has been something that I've tried to avoid. Um, because it's something that comes naturally to me. <laughs> and so I try really to, uh, fight against that. And, uh, for me, it would be like, uh, I just get frustrated. I mean, I have, I have done, um, in the past, try to try to recreate sounds and that's been really fun. Like, Oh, I actually got it pretty close. That's pretty cool. And that's a fun experiment experiment to try to see how close you can get to a sound, but not necessarily the whole arrangement. I'm, I'm kind of amazed at how people get really close sometimes. I'm like, wow, that's, that sounds almost exactly like the track and they find the right samples and everything. And they, <laughs> you know, like even some of the, the fills and stuff are the same and it's pretty, it's pretty amazing what people can, can do with their ears. Yeah. 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 I think you bring up a good point though. And I, I wonder if it could be a bit discouraging to people, uh, especially the newer producers who, you know, there's quite an obvious difference between a professionally produced track and whatever yeah. you're working on. Yeah. Um, but I think one benefit to doing the full arrangement, which I've found, is it forces you to really focus on what you're listening on, uh, listening to. Sorry. So I can't remember what track it was, but um, you know, I was, I was remaking the track and you have to listen really closely to what drum samples are using and how they're using them. And you notice all these little things that you never heard before. Like there was a, yeah. a track from Eric Prids, um, a super popular one, but I can't remember the name. 
but you know i'd listen to it like for ages and only until it was never until i remade it or attempted to that i noticed there's this you know very uh, quiet hi-hat in the beginning Mm. that you'd Mm -hmm. never hear otherwise um so i think that's one interesting thing uh one thing that i really like about remaking is you kind of uh you know get a deeper appreciation for the artist and, and their music because there's so much stuff going on that you wouldn't kind of hear or notice um, yeah. but it does have an impact on the track um, so there's one more well there, there was two more strategies one of them is uh, kind of hard to put into words um, but it's something again that that Rick Rubin talked about he said you know if, if something if a song sounds good on an acoustic guitar it can sound good in a hundred different ways and I think this is an important thing to talk about and if you have an idea that sounds good on just a a boring piano patch or initialized patch it can turn into many different things and it's a very good place to start um what this kind of leads to is this idea that you should really spend a lot of your time if not the majority of your time on on songwriting uh which a lot of people listening to this will be like oh no not songwriting that's yeah. <laughs> I'm a producer uh yeah it's it's a kind of a scary thing to think about because you know songwriting can take a long time like i i interviewed uh santos the other day and yeah. he was saying you know it, it often takes him two to three weeks just to come up with the ideas once that's happened though you know he'll make the song in a day or two um right right but to actually write the song can take a long time and i think we kind of there's kind of this uh you know temptation to not bypass it but kind of settle for a half-assed idea or something that that we're not really we kind of trick ourselves into being content with something that's not really magic um if that makes sense you know when yeah. you get those ideas and and kind of one in one in a million, but they pop up and you play something and you're like, yes, this is it, and you just you know you do like a twelve hour session um, because you're just so excited. I think those are the tracks, and Santo said this as well. Those are the tracks that we should really focus on. Um, but sometimes it can be very tempting to kind of settle for an okay idea. Uh, which most of the time, at least I find personally, those tracks don't get finished uh, because yeah. because you know I lose interest or whatever. Um, yeah, there's nothing behind it. There's no yeah. weight behind it to keep it moving forward. Yeah, I mean, how much time would you spend coming up with ideas? I know you, you've said before in an interview, um, I think it was for the, the producer's guy to work for in creativity, you have ideas in your head before you enter the door. Yeah. Yeah, that that happens often for me. That's crazy. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm incredibly like, jealous. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I mean, I grew up in the classical music world, so you know, just like melodies and and I have a very visually. Uh, my brain is weird, you know. Like I I think in in sound and in 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 visuals, and so like if I see something like all those all those animated gifs online i hear them it's really weird it's really hard to explain isn't there a, but like isn't there a word for that yeah it's called synesthesia that's right 
Yeah, and I've definitely done a lot of research on it because it's like, why is this a thing? But so um, you have yeah, that. so yeah, yeah, so like that's awesome. <laughs> when I when I see like a repetitive motion, I'll I'll hear like beats in my head, like not necessarily what? like a full like produced thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like I'll I'll feel like a rhythm happening, and it it gets kind of like. I can't watch it for that long. So it's like, okay, I don't really want to hear that anymore. It's just really <laughs> weird. Or like a, like a neon sign, like that, like changes, like the open signs that like yeah. it says, Oh, P E N. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm like hearing like the, each individual, you know, light turning on and then it just repeats the pattern. And yeah. <laughs> so it can go a little crazy, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'll come up with just ideas while I'm just hanging out and then, uh, maybe in the shower and then I'll have to like mm. run to the computer and, and get it down. <laughs> Otherwise I'll, I'll lose it. But that's how a lot of, a lot of my best work has come, um, through just coming up with ideas, you know, just in my head. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just working on a remix just to, before we started talking and I was playing a chord progression and I was instantly hearing other sounds just coming out, you know, and, and that's the thing is like, I, I can kind of pick out sounds that aren't even there yet and be like, okay, I know what's going to come in here just because I'm playing this part. And it's really cool. I, it's a blessing. I, I don't even know. It's like, it's not even me really, you know, it's just, <laughs> I'm allowing it to come through myself. So getting a little weird on me, but you know, it's just, yeah, no, that's just the way. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and this kind of leads into uh, one last strategy that i want to talk about and yeah you know you mentioned that you can be you're playing a chord progression and other ideas come into your head i think mm-hmm. that's a common thing like i um often you know i come up with a few ideas or really basic stuff and you know there'll be something else that's kind of trying to get my attention that's not there yet. yeah and yeah. i think one way to kind of um create that is to if you can't come up with ideas just go through the motions uh so what i mean by that is sometimes and there's got to be a good quote out there that you know i'm just it's not coming to me um but sometimes you just literally have to start and just work so yeah i mean i've done this before where you know i can't come up with any melodic idea so what i'll do is i'll just lay down a kick i'll lay down some percussion which is easy to do like you, you don't really need to be super creative to lay down an offbeat hi-hat a clap on the the second and fourth beat um and a basic bass line like it's not it's not right. rocket science uh so laying that stuff down it almost always leads to some sort of idea and that idea may not you know be developed into a full song it might not be that good but it's something so i think that can be a good kind of strategy is just you know don't don't fall into this trap of thinking that because you're lacking inspiration or you can't come up with anything that it's just not the day or you shouldn't be doing any work. Um, at least go through the motions for a bit and see if something comes up. Um, because yeah, it can be intimidating looking at a blank slate and trying to come up with something. But if you have, um, I think up Morgan Page actually talked about this. The way he starts a track is here's a template for starters, but he'll put down the the groove of the song before anything else um you know just a kick and maybe a percussion sample and like that's really interesting especially if you're making um dance music in the the purest sense of the word 
starting with the groove makes complete sense um and and then you can develop ideas from there so i don't know i I found that interesting it's something that i've kind of um done quite a bit and the other benefit to it is by going through the motions you kind of trick yourself well not trick yourself but push yourself into a creative zone anyway because your brain's thinking well the last time i did this or the last 10 times i did this i came up with an idea um i don't know has that has that worked for you is it yeah I've, i've done i've done more of that in the past um more than i do now um i used to really start with drums a lot where i just kind of like okay we're making a beat like we're gonna get this to sound sweet and then we'll add a bass in you know um but now i i really start a lot more with melodies and chord progressions um but but yeah i mean there's definitely something to be said for that um you know when, whenever we talk I, i'm always like okay i'm ready to get in, <laughs> get to work you know because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. all these ideas i'm like oh i could try that and so that's cool I'm, I'm excited to get back in the studio and um you know try a lot of these ideas out definitely man well uh was there anything else you wanted to add regarding starting or coming up with ideas no i, I mean i think people just just need to simplify you know yeah just yeah not think too much about it and um you know i think i think listening to a lot of music really helps Mm. um helps you know you can kind of get a good gauge of where you're at Mm. by Mm. what is really making you excited and like i found recently i'm i'm so excited about other people's music like when i'm i'm in like listening to group therapy a lot Mm. and a lot of podcasts from you know trance and house kind of stuff and uh, just like being really aware of what makes me really excited. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in the car, I'm like, Oh, this track is crazy. Like this is amazing. Yeah. And I, I have that experience a lot and I'm, and, it's, and, and I'm at the point where I'm like, man, I love this <laughs> and I don't even care like that. It's not mine. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a cool experience that I, I can be separated from. And, and, and part of it too is like, I DJ. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, I got to get this track so I can play it out. And, um, but yeah, I, I mean, just being influenced by other people can be good as long as you're, I think, I think for beginners, it can be really daunting Yeah, yeah. to allow too many outside sources to d- dictate your direction. Mm. But I think once you are established, like at least with your production workflow and you know, like you have a few releases under your belt, you have people in the scene, like saying, yes, you're, you, you, you're doing this and, and you're good and you're worth listening to, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, then you can start to like take other influences in and see like, okay, I, I like this. Let's go down this, this route. You know, I think that you need to have some self exploration at first. Mm. Cause I don't think people who are just starting out should be focusing on releasing no 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 it's just it should we should just just have fun just yeah just play in the sandbox exactly (laughs) you know show your friends i mean that's the thing is uh, from the beginning i was always showing my friends stuff yeah (laughs) like on the bus in 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 in, uh in middle school and like for little projects like i'd make music for it and (laughs) little (laughs) skits we would do so so yeah i mean always show people that you're that care about you and get that get that validation early on if Mm -hmm. if it's something that you really should be doing you know you can discover 
Because eventually you'll have people who are like, you suck and you want to make sure that you're okay with yourself first before you get to that stage. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, a lot of people underestimate how powerful just listening to music can be. And I think you make a good point in that in the early stage, yeah, it can be incredibly, um, it can actually be discouraging to an extent if yeah. you you know spend time on a song and then you listen to i don't know group therapy for example you're it's just still discouraging thinking, sometimes oh. <laughs> oh yeah yeah it is it is but at the I'm same like, time what? like yeah yeah yeah. um i mean i've sometimes i feel like i'm too easily influenced like i'll uh mm. you know i'll be listening to um like a state of trance you know be like oh yeah i need to go make trance and then i'll be listening to you know uh, some silk uh releases on silk and i'll be like actually this is what i want to make um but at least every time you know i i have a good listening session i come away just so eager to make music and so eager to try out new stuff uh and i think it's, it's a very good idea to dedicate some time at least you know once a week to just listen to music you haven't heard before um whether that's going through beatport and, and looking at the new releases or even going on spotify and clicking on the uh the discover tab and listening to some playlist that you probably wouldn't normally listen to um, one of the things that i'd like to do mm. uh, not to interrupt you no it's fine i was finished yeah, you, yeah okay cool yeah <laughs> um one of the things that i like to do i don't do it very often but i i should um is listen very very intently mm, and mm. and really focus on learning how to listen critically mm. i think that's a thing that producers don't maybe do enough mm. i mean like personally because of my synesthesia and all that stuff like i can't listen to music without being completely analyzing it yeah yeah because yeah. i'm like i'm seeing it in my head i'm like there's like images associated with it. it's just weird but um mm. <laughs> it's trippy man but uh <laughs> one of the things that i remember a, a, a couple of years ago maybe five or six years ago i was on a plane and i was listening to some pendulum yeah, and yeah. uh i just was writing out just everything i was hearing mm. and like i was going i was like, organizing like here's what here's what the drums are doing this is what all the different parts that I'm hearing. So mm. there's this kick and the kind of timbre that it has, the snares, and then, oh, there's like these massive symbols and that's why it's so bright and that's why it sounds so live and so energetic. Mm. And you can f- really start to figure out what makes music sound the way it does. So that way, when you go into the studio or into the computer, you know that in order to get that sound, this is what you're going to have to do in order to produce that. Mm. Instead of being like, ah, oh, I don't know how to make that sound. Like what, how, how does it sound like that? Mm. And you know, like people will listen to my music sometimes and I'll be there, you know, like, I'll be around and they comment about the sounds and I'm like, how do you not know what sound that is? <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, that sounds like a cool, like cello or something. I'm like, no, it's actually this. And like, yeah. how could you not know? But I, I've developed that sense of technicality with my listening for so many years that I can really differentiate sounds within a track in any genre. Um, and it's definitely a skill that you have to develop over time. Mm-hmm. And I think some people, you know, you, you, you can start out being at a higher level, you can start out being more skilled, but I think, um, you know, it, it people are on a spectrum with all those kind of things. So I think it's worth investing time 
into just sitting and listening and, and really devoting your time to listening to music? I honestly, I think you touched on something that every single producer needs to hear because yeah. I think I truly believe this, um, that, 80 to 90% of production questions can be answered by listening to music. Mm. For example, let's say you struggle with build-ups. You don't know how to create them. Listen yeah. to build-ups and study them. Yeah. Break them, <laughs> right. break them down. Like I, it's the, the thing is, and I'm guilty of this. It's much easier to ask a question than to listen to build-ups for two hours. on oh, the for sure. Right? Yeah. Like it, it yeah. is. It's much easier to get someone to say, oh, here are 10 tips on how to create build-ups. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, by like, honestly, I, I, I tell this to everybody. You learn so much from listening to tracks and listening closely and actually making it a task. Um, I mean, I've, I've told people this before and uh, I was having a a drink with one guy in Melbourne he was saying I've actually been doing that I've you know I took your advice and I listened to I made listening a task and cool. it's helped a lot and it's so yeah. true like you know you're not you're not listening in the background while you're doing work I actually don't right. know how people can do that um yeah personally that I just always listen to the music um <laughs> but you know set aside even if it's just half an hour close your eyes if you need to and just listen to music and listen to what's what's going on why the mix sounds the way it does what sounds are using how they've composed it yeah if you do that once a week i honestly think you can improve exponentially as a producer or at least sure. at least at yeah. the very least um come up with a bank of ideas that you can uh, turn into full tracks yeah absolutely cool well uh that was that was a really cool discussion uh thanks heats for for coming on again and of course we'll uh, we'll talk next week all right man cool take care see ya see ya Everybody jump in.